Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the word. Stand to your feet with me today and open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we're in a series four weeks now about uh, seek and save the battle for lost souls. And I took a couple of weeks talking about what unbelievers must battle to come to the Lord. You know, it's not that easy to just say that people would be coming to Jesus if it was that easy, like all the time. But the enemy has lied to so many and people has got themselves into addictions and bondages. So I took two weeks to teach us how to rescue those that are in bondage. Well, I'm turning our attention today to talk about the believer's battle. Um, For us to grow in the Lord, it's a battle. We have got to battle our flesh and and to reach out and to win souls. There's some things we got to battle to do that. And Paul the Apostle tells us this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says in verse 19, he says, For though I am free from all men... I have made myself, everybody say, make myself. I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. And to the Jews, that's those who are practicing Orthodox Judaism, he said, I became as a Jew that I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, that's your strict Pharisees, he said, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, how many know some folks that have no rules? He said to those folks, okay, I also relate to them, but not being without law toward God, but rather door toward Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. To the weak, that's those that Paul describes as being very able to be offended, who's, you know, won't even eat meat because they're afraid a demon's going to get, I mean, he goes into detail about people just having a weak conscience and weak spiritually. He says that, he said, I don't condemn them, but I become as weak so that I might win them and bring them deeper into the things of God. I've become all things, everybody say all things, to all men, everybody say all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. Do you not know that those who run in a race, they all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown or a Lombardi trophy that the Detroit Lions are going to get this year. Anyway, (laughs) hallelujah. Anyway, he says they do it to win an earthly reward, but we do it for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as the one who beats the air, but I discipline my body. If you got a King James that says, I buffet, not buffet my body, and bring it under subjection, for fear that after I preach, I myself may become disqualified. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray you speak through me today. Give us ears to hear what you are saying in this hour today to the believer, to the church. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give somebody a high five and tell them you look good today. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. I'm going to jump right into this today. The believer's battle. I want you to write some things down as we go. You do look good. Hopefully you don't have to lie today. Amen. You look good. Jesus' name. Listen. 
The moment you get saved, I'm preaching right now. Tell your neighbor, said, listen up. The moment you become a Christian, this is for the believers today. The moment you become a Christian, you become a missionary. I want you to see yourself as a missionary. I ain't going overseas. You don't have to go overseas to be a missionary. But the moment you become a Christian, all of us become a missionary. That's gospel truth. Let me give you some scriptures. The Bible says in Corinthians 5 that God has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Watch this. And has given us, everybody say us, us. the ministry of reconciliation. You have a ministry. Tell the person next to you, you're in ministry. I would even tell you that you're in full-time ministry. We put an emphasis on full-time ministry, meaning that's your occupation. Yes, some of us will be called to that. But before I ever became a full-time minister, I started preaching the gospel on the streets in the back aisles of Kroger and Myers and everywhere else. And, and that's my ministry. That's called marketplace ministry. When I got a hold of this message, when I got a hold of this teaching and understanding that I'm called to be a missionary, it revolutionized my life. And that's what I'm hoping and praying today. I want to inspire you today. I want to instruct you today. And I'm going to equip you today all in the same message because we are the church. And we're living in a day right now where people need to be rescued. People are turning to, people are, you know, next week I'm going to talk about the church's battle and how I'm going to go a little deeper with the principalities and powers and how this is really, really warfare. And even if you don't know that kind of spiritual warfare, I'm going to tell you this. All of us sense, sense it in our spirit. All of us can sense that we are living in a time that's unprecedented. We've always had issues, but not at this level. We all can sense. There are, that's why many are starting to reach out to the church and come back to the faith, and they're looking for something because they can see it all around them and within themselves that there's just such an un unrest and division and just it's never been like this. That's our time, church, not to retreat. This is our time to go running into the mission field. And Jesus right here, he's telling us that we all have a ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation means to restore the favor of the Lord to. To restore someone back into the favor of the Lord. Reconcile. To bring the favor of God back in people's lives. And then he says, we are ambassadors. Look at that. You even have a title. You are an ambassador. Tell the person next to you, you're sitting next to an ambassador. You're an ambassador. What do they do, right? Ambassadors have an uh, embassy, right? Our U.S. embassies are all over the world, and they represent America in that part of the world. They're not a part of that world. They represent America. And right now, we got a lot of crazy stuff happening right now. But they are an, an, an ambassador is someone who was in that foreign country, but he is, he is a part and his citizenship is of another country. We are ambassadors for Christ. This is an embassy if you're a believer. This is not our home. We are only passing through. We are called to be ambassadors for Christ. We are only we're, we're only representing the kingdom here. We're not a part of this world. The problem is many churches, have, uh, many Christians, have left the embassy and become citizens of this world. I want to inspire us and instruct us and equip us today to remember our calling that we are ambassadors for Christ. And I love what he says, as though God himself, look at this, were pleading through us. I love that. Paul is saying, don't you know that God is pleading through us to be an ambassador to reach people? 
So let me illustrate this to you. Bring me out that, that one there, Matthew. Thank you. Awesome, Matt. He's, amen. Thank you, brother. When you and I get saved, we go into ministry. But none of us really get a, a ministry card. You may not get a title. You may not even get an office. But all of us get one of these. This is what we all get when we first get saved. Is we, get, we are rescued for the Lord. And he gives us a life preserver. Now this one, I love this one because it's pretty beat up. It's pretty used. He rescues us. And the moment we are rescued, he then gives us one of these. And our ministry is to go and to rescue other people. I want you to get a mental picture of this. Our brother Steve Hill from Brownsville Revival used to preach this. He used to carry on his keychain a real small one of these just to remind him he's in the business of winning souls. This one right here is, like I said, it's looking used. It's got some duct tape on it. That's the way our preservers, preservers should look. This has rescued a lot of people. I got a long rope on this bad boy. I can reach far. This is how I believe the Apostle Paul's preserver looked, if you ever saw him. The Bible says he would go to Lystra, and he would go to Ephesus, and he would go into the synagogues, and every Sabbath he would go there, and he would throw that out into the temple, into the Sabbath. And the Bible said he would reason with them for days, hoping that one of them would jump on to that preserver, and then he would begin to reel them back in. This was his ministry. He would go to Ephesus. And he would do the same thing. Every city he went, the early church, the Bible says, went scattered from everywhere. We have the names of Apostle Peter, and we got some big names and titles, but the majority of the people were common folk like you and me who did not have all of the glitz and glamour in the form of training and ministry. In fact, one of them looked and said, these are unlearned men. And they have turned the known world upside down. But this one thing they noticed, these men had been with Jesus. What are they talking about? They had these life preservers. This is how all of our preservers should be looking in this day. We got people that are just drowning all around us at our workplace, in our neighborhood, in our own family. We got people that are drowning and they need someone to stand up. And I'm here to remind you today, you're the one that's to rescue them. You're the one to say, hey, let me try to bring you to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. More on that later. You get that mental picture? But this is where most of us, unfortunately, thank you, Matt. This is how many of our preservers look today in the American church. Real pretty, even got the tag on it. And we would rather have a prayer meeting for days up and soak in the church of God. And, in the, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we would rather do that than to get this thing out of the package and get it dirty. Churches have this even on their wall. They talk about the Great Commission. They'll put it right on the wall. Put Matthew 28. Hallelujah. And the Lord says, what's wrong with this picture? And today we're living in a day where people are needing us to get this thing out of the package and begin to throw it to them and begin to rescue them. What does your preserver look like? The Holy Spirit convicted me. Eddie, what's your preserver? You're supposed to be equipping your church. He's on me all the time. Hallelujah. If he takes me to the woodshed, I'm going to bring you to. Amen. In Jesus' name. <laughs> We're living in a day. But here's our problem. 
This, my friend, is the believer's battle. The very first verse that I read to you and we read together, that's the believer's battle. What did Paul say? I got to make myself take this thing out of the package. Paul said that. He said, I got to make myself take this thing out of the package. And I got to make myself look like this. It's a battle. This, my friend, is the believer's battle. I want to remind you that there's no one that's out of God's reach. And there is someone within your reach. That's what this message is. Tell your neighbor it's time to get it out the package. That's what God is calling us to do. So in this text, I want to give you four. Paul gives us four things that we all must battle within ourselves to rescue people. He's very transparent here. And he's very clear. And he says, there's people, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We're called ambassadors for Christ. We're rescuers. But he says that if I'm honest, I got to battle myself. I got to make myself want to do this. If you're like me, there's, well, I'll get into it here in a moment. There's a lot of times when I look and I look at people and what's going on in this world and I'm saying, Jesus, these people are idiots. And there's another side of me that says, God, they deserve what they get because they voted them in or they voted this person in or they get what they deserve because they've done. It's so easy to think of reasons to keep this in the package. It's so easy. I do it and I'm in my word every day. And if I battle that, I know you battle that. It's quiet in this church this morning. But there's people that's drowning out there, church. There's people that need it. This is the believer's battle. It's time to get it out. So Paul begins to say the very first thing he does is he says, we must battle ourselves to be a servant to all. Paul said, I got to make myself. Everybody say, make myself. I got to make myself be a servant to all. Some people say, I don't serve nobody. I serve God. I don't serve people. I serve God. If you're not serving people, I have a real hard time that you're really serving God. Because God is all about serving people. You take people out of it, there's no reason for us to be here. You take people out of it, Jesus didn't have to come to the cross. It's all about people. Jesus called his disciples together and they were all hungry for ministry and titles and everything else. And they were, who's the greatest, Jesus? Who's the greatest? You know, give me a platform. If you don't, I'm going to leave the church and go to this church so they'll give me my ministry. Are you seeking a ministry or are you seeking to serve? So Jesus said, let me call you together and let me, let me kind of help you with this. And he says in Mark, he said, Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over people. And their high officials, they exercise authority over them. But he says, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your what? Your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be a slave of all. And then he says this, for even I, God in the flesh, <laughs> did not come to be served, but I come to serve and to give my life as a ransom. He's saying this is what it's all about, guys, is we come to rescue people. And the best way to rescue people is to serve them. How do you serve them? You look for opportunities. There's different opportunities. Yeah, yesterday, we, we served our community. That's how we did as a church. 
You could cut grass in your neighborhood. Is there a widow in your neighborhood? Is there, is there you know, someone down the street that's struggling and needing, needing something in their life? That, that's, that's how you serve. We connect by serving. If we're not serving, how can we say that we're serving God? And it's something that's not going to be automatic. Again, it's not going to be automatic. But this is really the level, this determines our level of maturity right here. It's not how well we can quote scriptures, how well we highlight our Bible. It's not our prayer meetings. Those are all good. What really, you know, shows that we are following the Lord the way we're supposed to is bearing fruit. And the greatest fruit we can bear is another soul. It's easy for us to get distracted. That's my job as a pastor is to continue to keep us going on the right road. And that's what this message is, is we got to serve. We got to fight this. Now let's get further into it. Then he begins to say, I become all things to all men. I become all things to all men. He says to the Jews, those, I talk about Jewish traditions when I'm with them. But when I'm with the Greeks, I don't be talking about circumcision and the Feast of Tabernacles. He said, they don't even understand that. They don't relate to that. He said, so I don't talk about that. He said, I become about them. I might even eat some pork chops when I'm with them. That's what Paul is saying. He said, but to the weak, if those that get offended, if I eat a pork chop around them, I'm going to lose them. And I'm trying to bring them into Jesus being the Messiah, and they're kind of hung up. So it's an art that you got to learn. you got to learn how to throw this thing. You can't just throw it. He says, you just don't throw it out anywhere. You don't beat the air. There is a, there is a science. There is a something we need to study. The Bible says, a man who wins souls is wise. Wise. So when he says, they say, I become all things to all men, number two, I battle myself to find common ground with others. And it's so hard to preach evangelism today because we don't even say hi to one another. We struggle to say hi. It's a battle. It's a battle. COVID was not good to us. I think COVID didn't really cause it. Number one, it revealed it. But also, I believe COVID accelerated this thing. It accelerated. I was spent... That conference Melinda and I went to with those educators, uh, those uh, psychologists, Christian therapists, and they just talked about trauma for one whole session. Then they talked about suicide. And they just, day after day, just inundated with the problems that has been, we've always had them, but it's been accelerated. And I love, they were also given the, the remedy, and that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what this is, by the way. That's what, this is how you reach people. But let me show you how we build common ground with people. We build common ground with people. I believe a big thing that's gonna help us to do that is how we see people. Come on, it's how we see people. And that's my problem, that's our problem. And this is how Jesus models being a rescuer. He saw people. He didn't see a crowd, he would see a person. He would, you know, there's two types of people they say. One that walks into a room and says, here I am. And the other one that says, there you are. Jesus was a there you are kind of person. Jesus would walk into a room and it wasn't about him. It wasn't about getting accolades and recognition. He was looking for people. Why? Because he was on a mission. He saw people different. In church, we can't be pulled off of our mission by the media, by movies, by TikTok and knock and anything else and make us begin to see people because we're only getting a snapshot of people. We're only getting a version of people and this and that and this and that. We need to push that aside, get into the word of God and say, Lord, give me eyes to see those that need to be rescued. 
Look how Jesus saw people in Matthew. It says, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion because they were weary and they were scattered. To Jesus, they were like sheep having no shepherd. What do we see when I look into the crowds? We look in the crowds, we go, look here. A bunch of Republicans, a bunch of Democrats, atheists, agnostics, LGBT. That's all we see. We see, we see communities. And that's my problem. That's our problem. Sometimes I do feel like Jonah. And Jonah was like, Lord, I don't want to save nobody. Let them all just go to hell. That's Jonah in your Bible. So what did God say? God said, ah, we got to, I don't think that's the plan, Jonah. <laughs> so Jonah, God had to teach Jonah. Jonah, he said to Jonah, he said, you're more concerned about this plant that gave you some shade. And he said, there's thousands of these Ninevites, and these were barbaric murderers. He said, these people... How I see them, they can't even tell their right hand from their left hand. He said, if they're going to reject me, let them reject me. But you got to at least give them a message. you got to at least throw this to them. you got to at least throw this to them. And Jesus saw the multitude, and he was moved with compassion. Hell is real. Heaven is real. I'll get to that in a minute. But follow Jesus. He looked at Zacharias, um, Zacharias, little man, Zacchaeus, that climbed the sycamore tree. Remember him? Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in for the Lord he wanted to. Yeah. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just fake it till you make it. Amen. He, climbed, he was a tax collector. He was a traitor to the Jewish people because he went and worked for Rome, the oppressors that's oppressing his people. It's a racial thing. He joined the other team. He would even extort, he would even be involved in skimming off the top and anything he could to get money. And Jesus stops in the middle of his ministry and he looks up and he sees him in the tree. And he gets his, he gets his out, his preserver out. And he says, Zacchaeus, I'm gonna come to your house today for lunch. And the Bible says everybody criticized him and said, don't they know he's a tax collector? And I love what Jesus said. Jesus said, he's also a son of Abraham, just like you. Why? He saw them different than how they saw them. He went and he had lunch, and he sat and he talked. We don't know how long the lunch was. They probably went to Cordoba. <laughs> if you're like me, you get to make your own burrito with chips and queso on the side. It takes a minute. Somewhere during that conversation, he grabbed a hold of this. And by the end of that conversation, Zacchaeus stands up and he says, if I've mistreated or if I've stolen, if I've extortioned or, or taken money from you, I'm going to give it back to you tenfold. How many would love everyone that owe you money? Just do that and say that to you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Jesus said salvation. I mean, on and on and on. I, I, this one in Luke 7, the woman that come in with the alabaster jar, she come in to Jesus. And I just want to inspire you today with these stories. I love telling stories. I'm a storyteller. And this woman came in in Luke 7. She was the sinful woman. What kind of name is that? To do something in a season of your life and you're labeled that for the rest of your life. She came in and the Bible says she stood behind Jesus. She would not even stand in front of him. She wept. She had the alabaster jars, my wife's favorite story. She broke the alabaster jar and it filled the room with perfume because broken vessels fill the rooms. And Simon, the Pharisee, stood off with some of the other disciples. Again, you're, this is a level of maturity that some just aren't ready for. And they begin to look at her and say, this woman, if he was really a pastor, 
If he was really a pastor, he wouldn't be let, doing that kind of He wouldn't let this woman even talk to him. And I love what Luke 7, I think I got the scripture up there. It says, and Jesus turned to the woman and said to Simon. That means he turned his back to Simon. And in Jewish tradition, you don't do that. Jesus, he's in his house. He turns away from the host and says, do you see this woman? I know she's a lady. No, no, no. I didn't ask you if you saw who she voted for. I'm not asking you for what she did last night. I'm not asking you for how she smells or what she's wearing or what she... Do you see this woman? But my favorite is the woman at the well. Jesus goes, and again, he had his disciples with him, and his disciples, they weren't at that level of maturity. They were good prayer people. Oh, they would get together and pray. They can have an upper room and sit and soak in the hot tub of Christianity. They were good. But when Jesus said, let's get out of the hot tub, let's go, let's go throw this around and win some souls, he knew they couldn't handle it because the last time they went to Samaria, the last time they tried street evangelism, they looked and they said, Jesus, you want me to call fire down on these heathens? That's exactly what they said. They wanted to call fire down from heaven and burn them all. If I'm honest, I feel that way too sometimes when I watch TV. When I watch these people protesting, when I watch people all over the place saying what they're saying, they've lost their ever-loving mind. But then God says, Eddie, that's not people. They're blinded by the spirit and the God of this world. And I sent my son to die from us. Half of them don't even know. It's like in Acts, you'll read, Paul caused a stirring, and I think it was Lystra, and they were causing a big riot, and people were coming out. And I love that one scripture. It says, and many were there shouting and had no, re no idea why they were shouting. <laughs> They were saying, they were shouting. They were just caught up. People are just caught up everywhere. I'm telling you, now is the time. What's going to happen six months from now? It could be the coming of the Lord. And when he comes, it's over. It's over. It's not time to rescue people. He's coming for judgment. He's not coming as a baby in a manger. He's going to come right on the, and his foot's going to touch the Mount of Olives. And he's going to come with a host of angels. And he's going to come riding on that white stallion with a, with a sash that says King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I don't care if you're an agnostic or an atheist, you will bow before Jesus Christ one day. I pray you do it now. So Jesus said, it's, it's, I still got time. He said, I must work while it's still time to work. For the day is coming when no man shall work. So Jesus goes to Samaria and he says, disciples, he said, guys, I need you to go to five guys. Quadoba, five guys. He did. He actually excused them and told them to go to lunch. When they went to lunch, I love your Bible. It says that Jesus came and he was weary and he sat down by the well because that's what you do. And he knew that the woman was coming at 12 noon. No one draws water at the hottest time of day unless you want to be alone, but Jesus knew it. He sits down at the well. Hopefully you can see me back there. See how good our camera guys are. He sits at the well and the Bible says he was weary. Here comes that woman. He looks over at her and you know what? She was living with a guy. She had five failed marriages and probably a whole bunch of other drama. But he didn't start with any of that. Listen to me, church. This is evangelism class 101, 201, 301, all in one sermon. He looks and he goes, I need some common ground with this woman. 
So he says this, he says, hey, I'm thirsty. I'm thirsty too. You're at this well and I'm thirsty too. What is he doing? He's taking his, he says, I'm really thirsty. She says, first of all, why are you even talking to me? You're a Jew and Jews don't normally talk to me unless they're gonna preach at me. But I've learned that people, before you can preach at them, you gotta love on them. Everybody say common ground. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm gonna get to that in a minute. He said, but first, I need something to drink. And then they begin to talk about religion. They begin to talk about whose well it was. Her religion taught that she was in the right place, serving the right God. And Jesus is just having a conversation and he's pulling her in and he's pulling her in. And then he says this, he says, if you know who it was who was asking you for a drink, you would ask me and I would give you living water and you'd never thirst again. At that statement, your Bible says she left her water pot. She put her water pot down, which was symbolic for what she was using to satisfy her need. She sat it down and she grabbed a hold of the preserver and Jesus reeled her in. It's the first person in the Bible that Jesus actually reveals himself as being the Messiah. It's the longest conversation in the Bible and we don't even have her name. But Jesus saw fit to put her in there and to give us a front row seat to how you rescue people. This is what I'm teaching you is compassion without compromise. Which brings me to the other point. This is the other thing that Paul said in order to be someone who makes a difference and rescues people. He said, I discipline my body like an athlete. I train it to do what it should do. You gotta be in training. It's easy, guys, for us to sit there on Monday and quarterback, right? Hey, man, if I was Aiden Hutchinson, I would have done sacked him four times, man. He needs, to get off, he needs to get off the ball a little faster. Come on, golf, that guy was wide open. It's so easy for us to do that. So easy for us to criticize, right? But we gotta learn, those, those athletes are in shape. Paul said, we gotta be in shape. He said, I discipline my body, otherwise I fear that after preaching, I myself will be disqualified. He says, I battle myself to be an example for others to follow. This is a battle for the believer. If we're gonna win souls, we can't, we can't be out getting turned up at the club on Friday and then invite them to church on Sunday. I just gotta say it, I just gotta say it. Come on, amen, amen. He said, I, I discipline myself so that I can be a good rescuer. There's some rules that he says I do keep. There's some things that I live by. There, there's, some, there's some things I love what Proverbs says. Proverbs says that if the godly gives in to wickedness, it's like polluting a fountain or muddying a spring. In order to rescue people, church, and this is what we do, we gotta, we gotta maintain solid ground to throw this out. We can't be in the water and drown in two. <laughs> you know, gotta save us both. I'm just a sinner like you. You can't do that. You gotta, you gotta relate to them, but how many know we gotta be on solid ground? And there is an enemy out there that's pulling the church right into the mud. People are falling, people are getting off, and I'm telling them, I wanna remind you today, this is the battle for the believer. You gotta bite that tongue sometimes. 
you got to delete that post sometimes. you got to say, don't say what first thing comes to your mind. You don't got to give in to that because we are the ones that are called to rescue people. Wouldn't it be amazing if we were more Christian than we were Republican? If we were more Christian than we were Democrat? If we were more Christian than capitalist? If we were more Christian than God bless America? I love this country, and I'm so glad I was born here, and I love this country. But at the end of the day, I'm a citizen of a kingdom. Whatever happens in Washington, I can't change it. I'm going to vote. I'm going to voice my opinion. But at the end of the day, I'm called to be an ambassador for Christ, not Joe Biden. I'm an ambassador for Christ, not Donald J. Trump. I'm an ambassador for Jesus Christ not Van Buren Township. This is the field that God called me to work. And I'm called to lead this church and equip you to do the same. And this is what we're called to do. We're called to go into the highways and the byways. We're called to go into Myers in the checkout line and get, let the Holy Spirit come upon you in the checkout line, brother, and give you a word of knowledge and give you a word of prophecy and walk up to him and say, hey, I don't want you to think I'm weird. It may sound a little weird, but I, I love Jesus Christ, and God just put it in my mind to just pay for your groceries or, or, or to just ask you if you need prayer right now. I guarantee every time I've done, I've never been turned down. But one guy, one guy in Ann Arbor at this store I was making the delivery to, he was an agnostic, he was an atheist. He said, I just want to do one thing. I just want to do to you what they did to your Lord. They hung him on a tree. Yeah, that was like the first stop of my day that morning too. And I was like, oh. But you know what? Oh, I was ready to go. Let them just burn in hell, God. I tried. Him and his little ponytail. He had a ponytail. He has a little clipboard and his little glasses from Ann Arbor. Hallelujah. Ann Arbor's good. I love Ann Arbor. But you know what? I didn't give up on that guy. I kept coming, and he avoided me. He would let someone else receive me and check me in. I'll begin to pray for that man. It's funny because back in the day, I would have wanted to lay hands on him. Because the way he said it, I'm telling you. But there was this weird thing that come over me that I, I, did not, I did not want to talk. I felt sorry for the guy. And that's how you know it's the Holy Spirit. That's how you know you're starting to see people the way God wants us to see people. But we got to get it out of the package. And in order to use it, we got to fight against our flesh. We got to fight against our fears. We got to fight, fight against ourselves and, and be a servant and find the common ground and live a godly life. People are, when they start looking to come to Jesus, they're going to look for you and me. They're going to look to you and me. And they don't know, they don't care how well we can preach and teach. They want to know how well we're living it. That's what Paul said, I buffet my flesh. I, I got some rules that I live by as a Christian. I may go to those that don't serve God, but I'm not getting turned up with them. Jesus ate with sinners, but he wasn't there, you know, line them up, Bobby. And he wasn't just shouting them down. He was the one that's rescuing people. When I used to work for the Marina Mercy Service, we would get called out on boats to help, help them. They were sinking, and they would have holes in their boats. They would be sinking. They'd be taking on water. And we would be in the same water, and we'd be throwing these to them. But how I many know there was no holes in our boat? In order to rescue people, we got to make sure those holes are closed. And then he says this, and the last point I want to make, this is what we got to battle. This is so hard in today's day and age. And he says, they do it for a perishable crown, but I, we do it for an imperishable crown. 
crown. We must battle ourselves to stay eternally minded. Hear me, church. Give me a couple more minutes. We have got to, this is a battle for us to stay eternally minded because we're so earthly focused. We're so earthly focused. We're pulled into this. We read this book. We watch this video. We listen to this guy, listen to that guy, and it pulls us off. Listen, this is not our home, as I said earlier. Eternity is going on right now. Right now, heaven is going on, and right now, hell is going on. It's right now, this moment, right now. In, in order for you and I to stay eternally minded, we're going to have to battle. That's the believer's battle because it's so easy to just say, let them go. But when I start thinking about heaven, when I start thinking about hell, that's how Jesus, again, this is for mature believers. Everybody is standing around at the cross and Jesus is on the cross. He looks down and he says, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. I don't know if you would have been saying the same thing. But he's eternally minded. He looked over and the one thief said, I believe in you. And Jesus said, today, this day, you will be with me in my kingdom. Because eternity matters. Eternity matters. But in order to be eternally minded, the stuff that's going on in the Middle East, listen, this crisis that we have going on all around us today, it's a war that's going on. It's a war, it's a battle that's going on. It's, it's more, it's deeper than real estate that the fight is over. This is what your Bible prophesied it 2,000 years ago. John the Revelator said there's going to come a day when Israel will be surrounded by their enemies and their hand, his brother's hand will be on his throat. He will own his gates, but his brother will be on his throat. And when the world begins to surround Israel and you see the turmoil going on and all this happening, Jesus said, look, the time is getting close. The fig tree, which is Israel, is starting to bloom get your mind on jesus don't get your mind on cnn fox news and this and that i gotta get in front keep your eyes on jesus get your preserver out of the package and say who can i rescue today who can i rescue this week who needs jesus hallelujah i'm done hallelujah let's stand to our feet today This is the believer's battle, church. I don't know if it's what you wanted to hear, but it's something that we need to know and be reminded of. We gotta get it out of the package. There's too many churches like this. There's too many churches like this, and I'm all for it. We have worship nights, we have prayer time, but there's some people, you get them in front of a sinner or an unbeliever, they, they would have a heart attack. This is why God's given us the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why you have the Holy Spirit, is to take this thing out of the package and go and rescue people. Put your heads bowed today. I just wonder if there's anybody here before we open the altars for prayer and have our prayer team come and, and have prayer for everybody. I'm just wondering if there's anyone that needs uh, to be rescued and you're in this place today. Yesterday, we, we had so much, so many people came and heard the gospel and sat in here at all three sessions. They were full. The second session, we had to open this section. It was so cool. So many people. Watch John the Baptist. 
John the Baptist was called the greatest prophet in the Bible. What? I thought Elijah was. Nope. Jesus said, John the Baptist, no greater prophet born among women, women was John. Why? John didn't do one miracle. He did not have any gifts of the Spirit in operation, but yet Jesus called him the greatest. Why? He had a dirty life preserver. That's why. He had one message. He had one message. Repent and get right with God. <laughs> Pharisees came out and he said, what are you doing here, you religious hypocrite? You need to get saved too. <laughs> That'd be a great greeters ministry, wouldn't it? <laughs> Not. It's what he did, church. That's what we're called to do. I just wonder if anybody's here today that say, Pastor Eddie, I need to be rescued. I don't know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Listen, you should bow your heads right now. Christians, are you praying? It's serious. I, I know there's somebody here that needs to say yes to Jesus. Get your eyes closed. Those of you that are at home, just listen to me. If you're watching, maybe you're in the background. I say it a lot because it happens a lot. Someone is watching our service, and you're really not down with that church stuff, but you're hearing this message, and you know in your heart of hearts that if you died right now, you're not sure you'd go to heaven. Listen, this preacher is throwing a life preserver right in your living room today, and I'm begging you to grab a hold of it. I'm not asking you to join a church or become religious or become this or support that and support this. I'm, start, I'm starting like Jesus did with the woman of the, of the well. Just ask for a drink. I can give you the drink, the, something that will satisfy your soul, and that's living water. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand in this place today and say, pray for me. I need Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want to say yes to Jesus. Raise your hand high. Hey, man, see the hand. Raise your hand high. Raise your hand high. Those of you that need Jesus today, see you all the way in the back. God bless you. Raise your hand. Those of you that are home, put your name in the chat. Pray for me. Pray for me. Pray for me. Come on, lift your hand up if you haven't already. Anybody need to be rescued today? I'm down here with a life preserver. About to pull you in to life and life more abundantly. Amen. See that other hand. God bless you. God bless you. See that other hand. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Those of you that are at home, put your name in the chat. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Put your name. Pray for me. Pray for me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you if you lifted your hand, I'm going to ask you to take one more step. Will you come out of your seat and you come down here and meet me? Will you come out of your seat and come down here? Come on, church. Encourage them to come. Clap your hands. This is what we do. Come on. Come out of your seat. Come out of your seat. Come down. Let me pray for you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. If they lifted your hand by him, tell them to come. God bless you. Come on. Come on. Altar team, come up here with me. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, and God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people, and you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.